Good morning. Man, I am glad to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, thank you for joining us, Arthur, and the worship team. Thank you for leading us today, reminding us of the goodness of God. Um, Alex, thank you for helping lead us today. And Josh, honored to have you guys here. Alex and Josh are, are missionaries with Freeway Ministry. So uh, they Freeway Ministry is a recovery ministry, and, and uh, they, their, their motto is this, discipleship is our recovery. And so uh, they see people transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ and begin to break the bondage of addiction in their lives. And Josh came through that ministry and is now serving as an ambassador and missionary of that ministry. Josh and Alex started a freeway location on the south side of Springfield, and uh, we are supporting them as missionaries. Uh, I don't have them with their little missionary table today, but if you want to come see them and help them and support them, then I'm sure they would love to talk to you, so you can see them today. Uh, Alex is also Greg Lyons' daughter, who we support, a uh, missionary to the Philippines for many, many years, and I, I love seeing God's faithfulness over generations in ministry, and I'm grateful for you guys. Have a great time with you guys. Love you. We're proud of you, and we're praying for you and uh, all that God is doing through your life. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we are going to continue our series in the book of Psalms today. We started two weeks ago in Psalm chapter 1, and last week Arthur uh, taught through Psalm 121. The book of Psalms is, uh, has been the prayer book and the, and the song book of God's people for thousands of years and hundreds of generations. God's people would have worshipped and sang the songs out of this book of Psalms. In fact, we sang one of the songs this morning, enter his gates with thanksgiving, come and do his courts with praise. Enter his presence rejoicing, singing great and mighty is his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That's right out of the book of Psalms, Psalm 100. The, the book of Psalms has been the hymnal, the, the prayer book of God's people for thousands of years and hundreds of generations, and so we're spending some time this summer going through the book of Psalms. What's incredible to me is, is the book of Psalms is the songs that, and prayers that Jesus would have sung and prayed and, and would have led his disciples in in his time on earth. The, Jesus quoted from the book of Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. He, he would quote the book of Psalms. In fact, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he quoted from the book of Psalms. When he said, my father, my, my God, why have you forsaken me? That came out of the book of Psalms. Jesus quoted from the book of Psalms. He memorized many of the Psalms. And as Arthur told us last week, Psalm 121 is called a Psalm of Ascent. A Psalm of Ascent. Psalm 120, 120 through Psalm 134 are, are these Psalms that are designated as Psalms of Ascent. What that means is when the uh, Jewish pilgrims would go up to Jerusalem from their hometown, they would come to Jerusalem to worship. There were several uh, specific festivals and events where God's people, the nation of Israel, would come together in Jerusalem, the, the most well-known being Passover. They would come to Jerusalem for Passover to worship together as the people of God to make their sacrifices. And every year Jesus went up to Jerusalem for Passover. We see that when he was a little boy, if you remember the story out of Luke chapter 2, Jesus went to Jerusalem with his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, and 
they leave to go back home to Nazareth, but Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem. He's in the t temple teaching the priests in the temple what the gospel really is. And Mary and Joseph, they get a few days away, and they say, wait a minute, where is Jesus? And they go back, and they find him in the temple, and he says, I had to be here doing my father's business. Do you remember that story? Jesus took his disciples to Jerusalem for the Passover to worship in the temple. And if you remember, Jesus flipped over the tables of the money changers and those who were selling sacrificial animals for a profit. He said, my father's house should be a house of prayer and you have made it a den of thieves. Ultimately, we know that Jesus went to Jerusalem on his very last Passover on earth where he was nailed to a cross. And every time that Jesus went to Jerusalem when he left Nazareth or when he left the region of Galilee, he would have sung these songs, these psalms of ascent as he went up to Jerusalem. He and the disciples would have sung these songs together. I wonder what that would have sounded like. Sounded like Jesus and the 12 disciples singing, for the Lord is good, for the Lord is good, you know, going up to Jerusalem. I don't I don't think they probably sang that, but, you know, something like that. And so this morning we're going to look at another song of ascent, another psalm of ascent, and it's Psalm 122. Here's what it says. In fact, why don't you stand up with me and we'll read it together. So we'll alternate. I'll read the first, the first verse, then the, the, the screen will change, and you can read right off the screen. And you can read when we'll alternate back and forth. Okay, so let me start Psalm 122, verse 1. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Now you read. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city should be, solidly united. Where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This is an ordinance for Israel. Now you read. There, thrones for judgment thrones of the house of David. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. Now you read. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. And let's read together. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will pursue your prosperity. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. God, I, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Your word that is alive and active, that has the power to transform and change us. So Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. Transform us by your word. Your word is truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. Well, we're going to look at Psalm 122, and uh, it didn't say it on the screen, but if you're looking in your Bible, right above Psalm 122, it says these words, a song of ascent of David. Now, that means that King David wrote this psalm. Now, here's the thing. Um, in this psalm, King David says, I was glad or I rejoiced when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, the thing is, when David wrote this psalm, there was no house of the Lord. He's talking about the temple. And, and in David's day, there was no temple. It wasn't until David's son Solomon came along and became king of Israel that the temple 
was built. And so what does it mean when David says, I was glad, I rejoiced when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord? Well, some scholars would say, well, that means David didn't really write it because there was no house of the Lord, so how could David have written that? But if the Bible says it's a psalm of David, then that's a psalm of David. <laughs> so if there's ever any question on things like that, we go with what God's word says. And God's word says this is a psalm of David, and that means that this was written by David. But he's pointing to something that has not yet come to pass. And so we must also see that this is a psalm of prophecy. Because David is speaking of future events. He's speaking of a temple, of a house of God that did not yet exist. And so, therefore, he must be talking about future events. And we know from Scripture that David was a prophet. God, at times in his life, revealed to David truths of things that are yet to come. Jesus points back to prophecies of David and he says, if, if, uh, if the Messiah is not if the, if the Messiah is not the son of David or the son of God, then why did David call him my Lord in the Psalms? David gives us these little prophetic nuggets throughout the book of Psalms. And so this is a psalm of prophecy. It's pointing to something in the future, a temple that would come that did not yet exist. In fact, Scripture tells us that God gave David the plans for the temple before Solomon built it. And then he told Solomon, hey, here's the plans. I'm going to gather all the supplies, and then you're going to build it. Because David had this prophetic vision of this temple that would come after him. But we also must see that if this is a prophetic psalm, we can also look past the temple of Solomon. That temple of Solomon was eventually destroyed by other empires the kingdom of israel was split in half the people eventually came back from slavery and a new temple was built and the temple that jesus would have worshipped that was built by king herod it was called herod's temple it wasn't the original temple of solomon so we can see that there's something else that david is pointing to that's not just the temple in jerusalem it's this twofold prophecy. David's speaking of a, of a physical temple that would come, but he's speaking about something else as well. We need to read this psalm, this prophetic psalm, not just based on the kingdom of the nation of Israel, in which Solomon would build a temple, but also in light of the whole counsel of God and the Gospels and the New Testament, which points to the kingdom of God. So let me read some passages from the New Testament, and, and as I read them, I want you to see uh, this temple language, okay, that, that's being used in these passages. First, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, in 1 Peter chapter 2, then we're going to flip to Ephesians chapter 2, then we're going to look at one verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but, but I, I want you to see uh, the language that's used of, of the house of God, the temple of God, okay? So let me read for you out of 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 3 through 5. It'll be on the screen as well so you can follow along. It says this, 1 Peter 2, verse 3, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, 
are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Then we'll skip down to verse 9, which says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see the language that Peter used in this passage? He says that we, the people of God, those who have called on Jesus as Savior, we are living stones being joined together to be a place for worship. We are living stones being built together as a spiritual house. Let me read out of Ephesians chapter 2 and, 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 and notice the similar language that Paul uses in this letter, verses 19 through 22. He says, so then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in him. The whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling place in the spirit. You see this language that Paul is using. He says, you are being built together as a temple, as the dwelling place of God. You are being built together. The people of God are being built together as this holy habitation, says in the King James Version of the Lord, this place where God would dwell and Paul puts it really straightforward in 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 when he says don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God you are not your own you see this language that's used in the New Testament by Peter and by Paul that says we are being joined together as living stones we the people of God are being joined together as a temple for worship a place for God's dwelling we are the temple of God and so as we look at the Psalm of David and Psalm 122 there's this prophetic element of a temple that would be built by his son just a few decades later but also to a living temple people of God called out of every nation tribe and tongue together as a people I love first Peter chapter 2 verse um, verse 10 it says once you were not a people you were not there there was nothing special about you you were humans <laughs> but you were not a people but now you are the people of God and we are joined together as living stones to be a place for God's dwelling. There is no longer a temple in Jerusalem. In A.D. 70, the Roman Empire came into Jerusalem and they tore the temple down to its very foundation. Jesus prophesied and he said, not one stone will be left upon another. And it came true. They knocked that temple down and not one stone was left upon another. And today, where the temple once stood, there's a mosque called the Dome of the Rock. And today, there is 
conflict in Jerusalem for the last several weeks. We've heard, right, the unrest between the pa Palestinians and the Israelis in the nation of Israel. There's no temple there today. There's a place, we call it the Temple Mount, because it's the place where the temple was, once stood, but that temple is no longer there. Today, we are the temple. Now, one day, Jesus will come, and there will be a brand new temple when Christ returns. But right now, the New Testament makes it really clear that God's people are the place of his dwelling, the temple. So if we're going to understand this psalm prophetically in the context of the church of Christ, we must understand that he's talking about God's people. Now, the church is not a building, the church is a people, right? We know that. We've talked about this many times in this church. The, the word for church in scripture is ecclesia, and that means people who are called out. First Peter chapter 2 says we are called by God to be a people. We are the assembled saints of God gathered in this place. We are the church. And when we come into this building, the church comes into this building. But without God's people, this is just a building. And so anywhere that the people of God gather, that's the church. Now, I'm not advocating that we should get rid of buildings and because the church building, the place of gathering for worship has an important role in our lives. If we didn't have this place, where would we all gather? You couldn't fit in my house, I promise. <laughs> we had a bunch of people over Friday night. I think we had like 20 people in our house, and that was pretty tight. So the rest of y'all, I don't know what you'd do. It would be like the, you know, the people who were standing outside of the house when Jesus was preaching. But I praise God that we have a building together and a place together. But it's not about a building. God has blessed me with the privilege to go all over the world on missions trips and to see the church in many different contexts. I've gathered under trees in the plains of East Africa and worshiped with God's people, and that was church. I've, I've gathered in schoolhouses in a rented space and worshiped with God's people, and that was the church. I've gathered in an orphanage in India with some precious young ladies who had come out of incredibly difficult things in their life. And we gathered together and we worshiped and that was the church because the church is God's people. And when I gather with you on Sunday mornings, man, this is the church and I love this church and I love you, my brothers and sisters. And so I just want us to see kind of foundationally that this Psalm of David, Psalm 122, was written prophetically, speaking about a, a temple that would be built by Solomon, but speaking of a future temple, a place of God's dwelling that is the people of God. And so with that as the foundation, I want to look at just a few things briefly about what it means to be the temple of God and when David says I rejoiced when they said let us go to the house of the Lord I want us to think in the context of this church this people gathering together 
So David says, Psalm 122, verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So here's the first thing to see. We should rejoice when we come together as the people of God. We should rejoice when we come together as the people of God. Do you get excited for Sundays? I do, man. I get excited. I can be, get my tail kicked and be worn out all week. But man, when it's time to come together as the people of God, I get excited. And I love going around and, and talking to y'all and giving you hugs and finding out what's going on in your life. This morning I was talking and Corey came to me and said, come on, man, we got to have a meeting. <laughs> Had to step away for a minute. But I love gathering with God's people. Do you? We should rejoice when we get to come together as God's people. That's what David is talking about. There should be a joy in the house of the Lord, right? We get to come together. The place where God's people gather. I'm grateful for this place. I'm grateful for 500 South Cimarron Boulevard. Look. This, this property, this building is not the church. You are the church, but I'm grateful that we have this place to come together. I'm grateful. I'm grateful and I rejoice when we get to come together. Um, Arthur mentioned out of, out of Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving, come into his courts with praise. This idea that we should come ready to worship, right? That we don't need something to happen to, to get us in gear. We should come ready to worship. And that's what this psalm is talking about. It says, whenever somebody says, it's time to worship, let's go to the Lord's house. We say, yes, I am in. I'm in. Some of y'all, you, you need to get a little bit of this. I mean, if you need to get you a good playlist going for Sunday mornings, like when you're in the bathroom, get ready. Just put something on your phone. Get some songs that just help you get ready to worship, that help you fix your eyes on the Lord. I was sitting at Panera Bread by the airport this morning, and I was reading through my notes, and I was listening to some music, and I just had a time of worship. I know I looked weird in there just praying with my hands raised in Panera Bread, but man, I was glad. I was just singing, he can do all things. He can do all things but fail, cause he's never lost a battle, cause he's never lost a battle. I know you never will. Yes, and I was praising the Lord and sometimes you need to get ready and you need to get your playlist and you need to get in God's word and you need to get ready to rejoice when we come to the house of the Lord. When we gather as God's people. If it's community group in your living room and you're gathering with God's people, you ought to be excited. You ought to be ready to worship. We should rejoice when we come together as the people of God. Verse 4 says this. This house of God is the place where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Now the tribes of Israel, there were 12 tribes and they didn't get along. In fact, after Solomon was king, his son split the kingdom, the nation of Israel, in half. And there were two tribes in the south, and there were ten tribes in the north. And they actually fought each other in battles. They attacked each other. 
But David is prophetically talking about this place, this gathering of the people of God, where the tribes that have been scattered that do not get along otherwise come together in unity. And the church must be a place of unity. The place where God's people gather must be a place of unity. Remember, we read in 1 Peter chapter 2 just a minute ago, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. We read out of Ephesians chapter 2, it says that these, these diverse, different people are being joined together as the holy habitation of the Lord. These tribes of Israel didn't get along, but David saw prophetically a place where they would come together in unity to worship. And in our churches, we must be people who are unified. We don't have to agree on everything. We will not agree on everything. We'll disagree on some little things. We'll disagree on some big things. But if we are united around the name of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and if we can agree that salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we can agree on this book, the Word of God, that it is the totally authoritative and fully inspired Word of God, then we can be together in unity. We can be together in unity. Unity is, unity, um, unity is only supernatural when, when there's differences. Right? Unity without diversity is just conformity. If we all looked the same, thought the same, had, had, did everything just the same, there wouldn't be nothing special about that. But man, when we come from different walks of life, when we come from different backgrounds, from different political ideas, from different languages, from different cultures, but we can come together in unity as the people of God, that is supernatural. And that declares the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that nothing else can because we live in a world where people are trying to tear each other's face off for dumb reasons. But man, when we can come together in unity, declares the gospel in a way that nothing else can. And David says... That this house of the Lord, this gathering of God's people would be a place where all of the tribes, all of the people come together. In the book of Revelation, it tells us that every nation and every tribe and every language and people group will be gathered at the throne of God. Every nation, every tribe, every language. That means when we're singing songs in heaven, people will be singing in a different language than you. The official language of heaven is not English, just, just so you know. I don't know if it's Hebrew, I don't know if it's Aramaic, or I don't know if we just all talk our own language, but God does this supernatural thing where we can speak in unity and love. Every nation, every tribe, every language. I want to do something. All right, everybody say, praise the Lord. Okay, now if you speak a different language, if you speak... Creole, or if you speak Spanish, or if you speak Taiwanese, or if you speak Tagalog, or wh whatever, your, whatever your native language is, I want you to say praise the Lord in that language. Okay? Ready? One, two, three. Praise the Lord. Yeah. 
Well, that was real weird for some of y'all. Every nation, every tribe, every language. There must be unity. Verse 6 and 7 says this, pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Here's what we can learn from this. We must pray for the church. We must pray for the church. Do you pray for your church? Do you pray for this church? Do you pray for the body of Christ all over the world? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in places where they are persecuted for their faith? Where they are arrested and, and, and executed for their faith? Do you pray for the church of Jesus Christ all over the world? Our, our brothers and sisters in Romania... Our brothers and sisters in Nairobi, Kenya at Hope Church. Hope Church in Winter Garden that we planted about five years ago. Do you pray for your brothers and sisters? The church of Jesus Christ. David says, should pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. Which also reminds us that we should pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. Should pray for the peace. Of Jerusalem it's still the city of God and the nation of Israel is still the chosen people of God and we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem and it's never more evident than it is today one day there will be peace in Jerusalem when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords sits on the throne of David but we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem but we should also pray for the church we should pray for each other we should pray for each other, not just, God, I pray for my church, but, but pray for the people that you know by name. Pray for Wes and Stacy, and pray for Beth Hoover, and pray for Arthur and Jess as they get ready to go plant a church in January, and pray for Alex and Josh now that you know them. Pray for the church specifically, the people of God. Pray for the people that sit on your row, and if you don't know them, you ought to meet them. Pray for the church. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. We must pray for the church. And as I read verses 8 and 9 here, I want you to see a shift that happens in this passage. For the first seven verses, it's plural language. It's about us and what we will do and we will go and we will gather. We will rejoice. But then it gets specific, personal. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. Because of the house of our Lord, I will pursue your prosperity. There's two applications here. One is that this needs to be personal for us, right? Praying for each other by name. Praying that God use me to make a difference in the lives of my Brothers and sisters, God, use me to make a difference in my community and around the world. God, use me, use me, specific. But remember, I told you that the Psalms were also the songbook of Jesus. And I just imagine when Jesus was walking up to Jerusalem and he was singing, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. My feet were standing within 
the gates of Jerusalem, the place where the tribes come together to worship. As he was singing this song and it got to this part that was personal. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, remember that's us. I will pursue your prosperity. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified? He said, my peace I leave with you. It's a peace that the world cannot take away. Just imagine those words, may peace be in you from Psalm 122. Jesus said those words to his disciples. He said, because of the house of the Lord, and I believe that's us, prophetically, David is pointing to something greater than the temple. He's pointing to the people of God gathered from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And Jesus would have specifically prayed this prayer, because of the house of the Lord, these gathered people of mine, I will pursue your prosperity. And he pursued it, y'all, <laughs> all the way to the cross for our good, for our salvation, for our healing, for our restoration. He pursued all the way to the cross because of the people of God. People that once were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And we have been called together as a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people set apart for God to declare the praises of his glory, to be the place of his habitation, of his dwelling, to be able to offer a sacrifice of praise. Jesus made a way. Jesus pursued our peace. He said, greater love has no one than this, than a man who would lay down his life for his friends. Then he told those disciples, you are my friends, and he proved it by laying down his life. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, while we were far away, while we were not a people, Christ died for us. So David prophetically says these words. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city, should be solidly united where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There the thrones for judgment are placed. And by the way, one day, Jesus will sit on that throne of judgment. And those who call on his name will be judged righteous and holy. But those who have not called on his name, John chapter 3 says, are condemned already. There the thrones for judgment are placed, the thrones of the house of David, and Jesus is that lion of Judah, that king of the house of David. So pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. And Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will pursue your prosperity. And Jesus pursued 
our good all the way to the cross. And this morning, I ask you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have been adopted into God's family, I want you to know that you are the holy dwelling place of God. And does that make you rejoice? Does that make you rejoice, church? We ought to rejoice when they say, hey, let's get together with God's people. We ought to walk in unity. We ought to put aside things that can be put aside for the sake of the unity of the gospel. Because, let me tell you something. We're about to celebrate July 4th and our country will be 200 and however many years old. And one day, the United States of America won't be a country anymore. But the kingdom of God will last forever. Nations have come and gone throughout human history. But the kingdom of our God will stand forever. And we can come together in unity, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and declare the gospel. And we can pray for each other. Pray for this church. Pray for your church. Pray for the people of God all over the world. And we're reminded that Jesus made a way for our peace. Jesus made a way that we, who were once not a people, can now be called the people of God. Why don't you stand up with me? I want to pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. Thank you that we can come together in unity declaring your faithfulness and your goodness and your gospel. Lord, I pray for your church. I pray for your people. I pray for this church, this local expression of your body, of your hands and feet in this community right here on Cimarron Boulevard. God, I pray that we would take seriously the fact that we are your people, we are your ambassadors, we are your children, and that we would live our lives for your glory, for your purposes. God, that we would declare your gospel and your goodness and we would lay aside the things that divide us for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, the foundation of all of that is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so we thank you this morning that our great high priest made a way that we could stand and not only stand before you, but we could literally be your dwelling place. Oh, God, you are with us. What a privilege. What a privilege. So, Lord, this morning, remind us of the importance of your church. Your physical reality on this earth. Remind us of the importance of unity and prayer for Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who has never been adopted into your family, who has never called on you for salvation, Lord, this passage reminds us that Jesus made a way, that he is our peace. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who needs to experience that saving peace, 
that they would put their faith in you and, and not their own way, not their own works, not their own will. Savior who died on the cross and rose from the grave and ushered in life. That they would turn from their their, their, their desire to do life on their own terms. That they would turn from their sin and, and turn to you for salvation. God, do what only you can do in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Dustin Janney. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. If something spoke to you from the message or if you have a question about it, we'd love for you to share that with us. Just comment below or send us a message. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. We believe there is no more important decision you could make. We'd love to connect with you and help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We hope to see you soon.